0: Hi there. Welcome back to the Real Film Chronicles podcast. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Brian. And in this week's exciting episode, we're going to be talking about a little film called Day Shift. Day Shift came out on Netflix, seen
1: a lot of activity on it. And uh, like just people on Letterbox checking it out in their recent activity feed. Directed by J.J. Perry, his feature film debut. Uh, Starring Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco, uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo, Megan Good, Zion Broadnax, and Snoop Dogg, amongst a host of other talented actors, including a little appearance by fan favorite Peter Stormare. Yes.
0: Yes. Right?
1: I always love when he shows up. So, I mean, with all that, I mean, vampires, they are... They are alluring. They, it is interesting to see new vampire movies come. There's so many different genres they 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 touch upon. So we see a late the latest movie now is Day Shift uh, yep. on Netflix, and this is an interesting genre mashup of action, buddy cop stuff, comedy. I mean, it's horror. There's a lot of gore going on in here, but like this movie really like touched on a lot of different genres, but in the end for me made it pretty satisfying. Like what were your first impressions
0: of day shift? I thought I immediately thought of John Carpenter's vampires. Cause like just that sense of like, almost like the blue collar kind of vampire mm-hmm. hunter going around doing their job. It started off. Okay. Um, Jamie Foxx is obviously like, listen, like the dude's hugely charismatic. He's incredibly talented. So like a large part of why this works is because, um, jamie fox yeah, if it was wasn't for great. jamie fox being here yeah it, the movie probably wouldn't be nearly as, as good it may not have even gotten made if fox wasn't yeah disaster. exactly i think it really fell apart for me in the second half just in terms of it felt like it was plagued by this kind of standard netflix movie flaws which was that like it had a really cool really great opening and a really great setup but it it had no idea how it wanted to end itself right it had no idea how how where it was going and what the end was going to be it felt like and it felt like there Addressing. was a lot of setup for future sequels that may or may not exist
1: see I got a little of the opposite sense I felt like their will their world building wasn't nearly as heavy-handed as some of Netflix's other elements like brightburn comes to mind where it is that similar thing where not only are there vampires there's all the different creatures and they play so heavily into that stuff. It's like they, Brightbird depended on that a lot more than day shift. For me, day shift was a little more
0: Uh, like it
1: was definitely a lighter film with its comedic turn, but their motivations were so simple and relatable.
0: I thought. Yeah. But it's like, for me, the second half just lost so much focus and was like, Oh, we got to. So when does the, we got to do stuff. When does
1: the second half start for you?
0: I don't know. It kind of,
1: and spoilers, just because we didn't throw it out there, but definitely spoilers for, for everything
0: here. You know, they they meet up with those other vampire hunters and they're fighting and stuff. And then around the time, well, it's never, like, I don't know. The, the main vampire lady there, um, played by Carla Souza, for me, like, her motivations were never clearly defined. It's like she's trying to... There's, really, there's whole, her motivations were very clear. Like, yeah, this guy killed her daughter. Yeah, but then like, there's this whole other backstory that they were kind of teasing. That's what I love about but her. it. That wasn't fleshed out.
1: She's the classic like 80s, 90s villain where she's a real estate baron. Like, she basically, it's very simple. She's trying to buy real estate to build a vampire community.
0: Yeah, and, and but there was like other factions of vampires that they kind of hinted yeah, at, yeah, which really is show. It was well, really they don't really need to weird.
1: do that. I mean, I don't think it's weird at all. I, I think that was the light world building they did, just giving you enough to be like, that's out there, but it's not the focus, because the focus is her revenge against Bud, uh, Jamie Foxx's character, for
0: Bud killing her, da- her daughter. So for me, yeah, when it started to fall apart, it was like, they had, is, it, is his name Bud? No. Yeah, it is. Ooh, his name is Bud, Bud oh. Jablonski. <laughs> Classic action hero <laughs> name no when they had she found out who had killed her daughter she went to their house had him and his friend and his wife and his daughter dead to rights she could have easily killed them tortured and killed them right there but she chose not to it was really just like classic stupid bad guy monologue kind of logic and it's just like we can do better than this in the year of our lord 2022 um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you, you want to take revenge on them? Take revenge on them now. Don't set up some complicated, stupid process, like Dr. Evil level um, complicated scheme that gives the hero lots of time to regroup and escape. Like it's just. Well, she did kill the buddy. She did kill and <laughs> turn
1: into a vampire, Dave Franco's character, um, yeah. Seth. I mean, so that was some
0: immediate repercussions and she does kill his buddy in the black market, Fang. Store as well. Yeah, Peter Stormer kind of goes out. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, sort of, but like she wanted revenge against him. So it's like, oh, I have your wife and kid right here. I could kill them right in front of you. But instead, I'm going to have this complicated plot. I could give you time to go and regroup with your friends yeah. and come in and get me. And then yeah. the whole thing is like, okay, it kind of devolved into like generic CGI fest action, which are the, the fight. It was an earlier really fight, like I said, with the um so there are two vampire hunters. I think one of them was played by um Scott Atkins. Scott Atkins, yeah. He was one of the vampire yep. hunters. He was like he's like a well-known special effects. Not special effects. Um he's a well-known stunt stunt man. guy. Um he's actually been a stuntman slash actor, I guess. He's been he's actually um, in movies acting with real human emotion. It
1: might be important to no note out uh, that I I read JJ Perry is also a Long story, like stunt person and stunt coordinator. And I think that's why the action really works for me in this movie. There's a lot of interesting visual things happening with the stunts. And I yeah. think it's enhanced with a little bit of CGI, especially the actual gore. But really, absolutely pulled forward through that scene, the contortionist yeah. vampires. And who were like actually doing... Weird things. I should say weird things. They're doing contortionist person things, which I don't see very often. So it looks surreal. And I thought that really set the movie apart uh, in terms of like a, an action film, like a fantasy. Yeah. Action
0: like film. there's a couple of fights early on with like Jamie Foxx. And I think it was like a bowling alley fighting off those vampire teens. Like That was really cool. I mean, even the first fight yeah. when he's he's killing he's going after the old lady it's just like that fight was wild. Yeah, and it was that, that was really good. And then that fight with um, Scott Adkins and his buddy there that was in the house that was really good. Uh, which is maybe why like the the fights in the last half felt kind of lackluster because all of a sudden it felt like the choreography was just like very very straightforward and nothing really interesting was happening. I think what happens at the end of the movie is basically
1: they're in these catacombs and it does fall prey to about things like instead of like vampires coming, we're just going to throw like wild, rabid uh, monsters down these halls that are, are vampire hunters and they'll have no problem killing any of them. Where previously it's like you do see them struggle to kill a few of them here and there. Yeah. And one of the big, I, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not knocking the movie too much where it it's probably reflected in the final score. But that's not like super high, but that does take away from the movie a little bit because at times it feels like Are these sort of like semi-intelligent zombies or are these actual vampires? And is them saying there's different like classes of vampires, like a way to sort of get out of having to explain why some are so weak or like brainless as opposed to other ones, which are extraordinarily powerful? It was
0: really weird because they were talking about like Dave Franco's character there, who was like the bookworm kind of character who I got to give props to Dave Franco here. He played that kind of bookwormy um, office character uh, really well. He goes out in the field, and like you, you can tell, like you can tell, like he's super afraid. And like when he wets his pants there yeah, a couple yeah. times, uh, <laughs> um, it's yeah. I, I like that uh, bit through the book. like okay, reason. showing like yeah. And it's kind of like it's meant to show, is like oh yeah, the, for a real regular person, all this stuff is really really scary, right? Because like otherwise, it's like oh these vampires, like oh yeah, they're just who cares. But yeah, he's talking one time about like different breeds of vampires, almost like he's talking about like different breeds of insects or animals or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, sometimes the vampires seem um, animalistic and sometimes they seem more intelligent and cunning. I think they kind of hand wave some of that away where like at the beginning, like one of that one scene where they go and hunt like the, the newly made vampires, the, in the bowling alley there, it's like, Oh, when they first turn, they're kind of feral before they get their footing and become and regain their kind of senses after they've eaten for a bit. Um, so it was like, sure, whatever, but like it did seem a little bit inconsistent where like some of them were like zombie animal kind of characters who were just running on instinct, and some of the vampires were intelligent, mm-hmm. you know, like humans with fangs who were like wielding guns and stuff as well. um, but yeah, like the last yeah. half was like just standing there shooting as opposed to like the first action scenes where they are actually like really interesting, like you said, like with some of the contortionists and some of the different setups was like. It felt like they were doing some, like, let's just, let's do, try some cool stuff here. And the last half was just like, no, just stand there with your guns and shoot down the hallway. I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it is a valid criticism. I don't think I really let it bother me that much because there was a lot of other fun things happening throughout the movie. And uh, you mentioned earlier, it's like that sort of, uh, what was it, blue collar? Like blue collar. Yeah worker thing that was in vampires like john carper's vampires is also in here where you they go a step further and the vampire hunter is kind of a profession because these vampire yeah. fangs have value in the market but there's a black market for of them which is kind of like underground and it's like i don't know if it's black market because vampires aren't known to the general populace like every day like his ex-wife Uh, Bud's ex-wife doesn't know there's vampires, doesn't know he's a vampire hunter, but that's how he's making his living, posing as a pool cleaning uh, dude. And there's a union of vampire hunters, which is just, I really like that touch. And it's just like, oh, he's been kicked out of the union, has to try and get back in because they pay a lot more for those vampire fangs. And they—they, I mean, Dave Franco's character is kind of like an expert. He can look at these fangs, immediately see these details, just like Peter Stormare's character we will look at a fang and sort of see, like, you can see the age of him, see some details about him. I really like that part and really, it cemented it more the real world and part of his, Bud's motivation to go join the union and fight more vampires is he just needs to pay for his daughter's braces. and her school, yeah. They mentioned... And her school uh, tuition was like, I think everyone can relate, especially to the dental work. It's just like, oh, we need benefits. Workers need benefits. And you have to go join this union to get, to get the full benefits and get all your money. And then you're, He's nickel and dimed a little bit. He's just like membership fees right off the bat. So those $5,000 fangs are now worth about $1,000 in his pocket. So he has to go on a vampire <laughs> killing like <laughs> like over the course of like seven days or something, which happens very quickly throughout throughout the film. But he's basically just trying to raise money for taking care of his daughter because there's a threat about his daughter his ex-wife are going to move across the country. It was, it was interesting. Did you like the union stuff? Did you like that, that element? I mean, that's... Yeah, Dave Franco's character was was kind of interesting as that as that uh, like fresh face. You know, he's the office guy, but he's part of this vampire hunter world, and this is his first exposure to it. Just kind of like us, the audience, like we're going to get a tour of what this guy does, like what a vampire hunter does, and all the
0: rules. Yeah, I thought it was was an interesting idea. It's in the execution, I guess. It was just kind of on the periphery. If you're going to introduce that, I wish they would have fleshed it out a little bit more it was there more is like i don't know it was it was a cool idea so it's like it's a kind of comedy maybe dramedy is the right word for this movie but then like the boss it's an action comedy action comedy but then like the the boss was just like cartoonishly just like really really weird everyone else was like it seemed like he was in a different movie than everybody else and maybe and that kind of threw me <laughs> off it Was like everyone else was like kind of quirky um, but they were like, like Snoop Dogg was playing like his, um you know, smooth criminal kind of character, like super calm and cool and collected. And Jimmy Fox was like the dad trying to make ends meet. And there was just like this weird, th- their boss was like super, like, I don't know, it was like, really bizarre. And it kind of took me out of it. Was it the same? Like, I don't know. Like, did you, what do you think of that character? Like that, the union boss there, it was just, it was just really weird, man. Yeah, I don't even
1: remember the boss that much. He was basically just this catalyst to hook the two of them together, right? It's just like you have to go, like Seth has to go out and be with Bud to like supervise him. He was being a bit of a hard ass, I guess. But it's just, a, it didn't really factor into my thoughts on the movie afterwards. Like I, I'm i not even sure who plays him yeah. or what, what his character like was through lots. the movie. Was, I, was it memorable? I wish
0: they would have had, played that up more throughout the movie and come back to that a bit more. Because like that whole... I always love the idea of like the underworld and like, oh, here's a secondary world happening kind of underneath uh, the sheen of of our regular everyday lives, a regular everyday civilization.
1: That's why I like the multiple levels of underworld happen here where you have, first off, vampires exist. People don't know about vampires. It's not like, I'm going to reference Bird* again, where otherworldly creatures are part of everyday society, right? So here, vampires are not known. There seem to be a lot of them. And but there's a whole vampire hunter society that's fully unionized and funded really well because they're giving out a ton of cash for like fangs, right? It's like they're talking
0: like five to ten thousand dollars. It's like, where are they getting this? I money really from? wish you hadn't mentioned that because now you're making me like the movie <laughs> even less because like you're pointing out plot holes here. It's like, yeah, where do they internally? It's like, yeah, they have their economy, but like, where are they getting funding externally to pump money into this? It's like, oh my god, why would you say that, Brian? I'm trying to Well oh, because this was a lighthearted comedy film
1: where that stuff doesn't really matter. Like they hint at it well, and kind of matters. I mean, you can point out I mean you
0: could go take the cinema sins approach and like not, try and pick apart everything. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not nitpicking this, Brian. But like I've said before, yeah. every movie has to have like it has to have an internal logic of the way things work. If you're gonna if you're gonna ask those questions, then you have to have in universe answers for those questions. I, I'm happy we didn't end up with a four and a half hour long day shift movie that had to explain the the economics of their world or anything. Come on. I think I think you're being a little <laughs> bit facetious here, Brian. You've seen world building like in From Dust Till Dawn, we were talking about earlier. They do an, an yeah. incredible amount of world building in a very short amount of time. It's possible, to, and they don't answer every single question. Out, I'm right? not asking. I don't think not, a movie has to. I'm not asking them to answer every single question. I'm just answering. I'm just asking them to be consistent with their internal logic. Fair enough. So, what
1: part of the movie did you like? Did you like any part of this movie? I guess.
0: Well, I did. I not talk about. I talked about Jamie Foxx, Dave Franco. Talk, okay, Jamie Fox, Peter Stormare, so, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like some of the early action scenes were pretty good.
1: Like like the villain. Let's talk about the main villain here because I, I do agree. I don't feel like she was entirely fleshed out to be like a main villain that was very imposing on but yeah. they didn't really interact with her until the very, very end, right? She was just sort of looming in the background. We see her abilities. She's an extraordinarily strong vampire, super fast, all this stuff. But it's like, like her, her motivations were, I mean, revenge, but also the... The, the real estate stuff, but it's like the final fight. Was, was that good? Like, was she a good villain throughout this whole thing? I don't know.
0: I mean, the, the actor unfortunately wasn't given a whole lot to work with. It was really
1: more about like having J.B. Fox be on screen and be pretty cool. I
0: think. Yeah. Unfortunately to the, like the main villain didn't seem menacing at all. Um, maybe it was, maybe it was a matter of maybe not having, maybe like miscasting maybe. Cause like the actor just didn't realize, I didn't, I didn't get a sense of, she wasn't scary to me. She like, there was no, at no, at no point in the movie was I worried for the protagonist because of that, that villain. I was like, she's not scary. At like she's not threatening at all. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like even that last fight is like, she can move like essentially for functionally, she can move as fast as the flash can. That fight should have been over yeah. <laughs> in literally two seconds. Again, is like, just follow your own internal. she can move that fast, or, or maybe she can't move that fast all the time. Maybe she gets tired, but just, if the storyline yeah. line's like, I need more blood to move some to move fast again. I was like, I don't know, man. But like, why not just like if you can move that fast, why not just punch through Jamie Foxx's chest and rip out his heart in the first two seconds of that battle? It, I, don't, I, I don't mean, know. basically
1: I it's that classic villain thing where they want to see the hero suffer and they need to set up the environment of just like, all right, we're going to like she says explicitly, I'm going to what was it? She was going to turn her his daughter into a vampire, have the daughter drink the blood of the mother yeah. and have Bud watch the whole thing and then kill him afterwards, right? And why she couldn't do that in the house when she had them all dead to rights, I don't know, maybe it's just a weird v- vampire like ritual thing. <laughs> She's got to go into her, her underground lair sure. to like make it like that vac- much cooler, but- I, I don't know. It's just, it is
0: a classic. Maybe like, it's because like trope really the characters, like the daughter and the wife didn't seem too worried about it. Like she kept telling us and then there's like, yeah, like you don't know me that much. It's like, you don't know me that well. I'm going to get angry and I'm going to get, I'm going to get back at you. It was like the daughter didn't seem scared. The wife didn't seem too concerned about it. Maybe it was just like, maybe it was partly the director was just like, He's a first-time director, so I give him some slack that way. It's like didn't really, sh- didn't really sell the emotional weight of like what was going on in the story. You'd tell of these like really horrible things, like essentially yeah. like <laughs> real-world analogy, be like, uh, you know, inducting this child, indoctrinating them into a cult, and forcing them to kill a parent it was like that's a yeah. horror. That's an incredibly horrifying thought. That's a horrifying idea.
1: And in a comedy film, you're not gonna go in those in those directions. Yeah, but But even just all you can do is threat.
0: It's like she the daughter has the plot armor. In an action comedy, they could have had like oh yeah, like they could have been like frightened or something, shown some kind of emotion other than like they got sure they get angry, like they're defiant. It was like, I don't know, as a regular Joe, if I were captured by vampires, like I wouldn't be probably talking back to them. I don't know. Like that's not (laughs) Fear works differently. I don't know. How did you feel about uh, Seth, which is the, the
1: uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dave Franco character getting turned and then Bud has to decapitate him, right? He has to kill him. And he basically is, but uh, Seth is able to reattach his head and like it, it heals itself. It's just like, did any of that work for you? Was that kind of like
0: going too far into like the slapstick humor maybe? No, that stuff was like, or was that kind of like this was fine? I was just like, man, I was like, sure, it just kind of slapsticky. Dave Franco again, like he did a really good job with that character. Where I felt like, oh, not every character has to be a badass, right? There's different roles. Until at the end, yeah. it's like essentially him becoming a vampire was a way of them short circuiting that and turning him into an immediate badass because then he starts going from not even being able to use a gun to like tearing people's like arms yeah. off and jumping around and doing crazy acrobatics. So that kind of that kind of undermined the character for me a little bit. Where it's like, oh, we don't need every character to be the gun-toting um, action yeah. hero. There's actually other functions. Like, yeah, his value came from his knowledge. And I was like, no, no, no. no. His va- You're only valuable if you can, you know, we you know shoot a gun and tear people's arms off. It's like, okay. So you took like <laughs> took the where these characters were differentiated and interesting, and then you just like homogenized them. So it's like they're all action heroes now. It's like. It was okay, I guess. Like Dave Franco did a good job. Yeah. But again, it felt like they didn't really know. Once he was turned into a vampire, it's like they didn't know what to do with him. It's like, sure, go and fight some guys now. It's like, sure, like you've been a vampire for two minutes. These guys have been vampires for hundreds of years, but like you can go and kill them. It's fine.
1: <laughs> I, th- I think he did struggle quite a bit with the, uh, like the main bodyguard fight it, I think he needed the help of the, uh, the lawyer, not the lawyer, the, uh, the neighbor. Yeah. She was see like a friend. familiar
0: or something or.
1: I think she was, was she a vampire? Was
0: she a familiar? Again, it wasn't super clear. I have to go back. Cause she was, I thought she was a vampire cause she had the vampire blood like in her fridge. But I thought she was like, she was a servant of one of the vampires. I don't know. It's not really super clear. You know? I,
1: yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, it didn't, uh, didn't really think about it too much because it was more focused on, the fact that there could be like a good vampire and Seth is basically a good, like he wants, he wants to go kill all the other vampires. Even though he's a vampire now, it's not like you're immediately just like turned into wanting to kill all humans, but right? Then that
0: begs the question, like it would have been more interesting than is like, oh, maybe there are different factions in the vampire. Maybe they're not all mindless killers. Maybe there's other people out there. I don't know. Like it's just, it's weird that like only, it was just like really superficial writing where it's like, Oh, he's only, he's the good vampire because he's the hero, not because of some kind of greater conflicts like that vampires can have. Like you look at interview with the vampire where, you know, Brad Pitt's character was like constantly like for a long time is like drinking rat blood. Cause of like the morality of killing humans, right? It's yeah. like, which I don't, I don't, then? I don't expect them. Yes. I know what you're going to say. I don't expect them to deal with the same level of morality in this action comedy. Well,
1: I'm saying maybe in the inevitable, uh, universe of movies that will come after this, if this is successful, we'll get like serious ones where they explore that morality
0: and then we'll get more action. I do need comedy to go ones. in, in that know. depth or to be serious. I'm not saying that every movie has to, every vampire movie doesn't have to be interviewed with the vampire, but it just, it felt like, the cheapest version of like 80s style writing in terms of writing the heroes of the story. Yeah. Um, and just in terms of giving them, like you said, I think the daughter, the whole family just seemed to have like insane plot armor. And then the characters were just like, they survived because they were the heroes, not because of anything that they necessarily did. I don't know. Snoop Dogg at the end there. Um, spoilers when he, I don't know. It's not clear whether he blew himself up or whether it was just like, did he have like a light bomb? Like, you know, like a UV bomb or something? Like something out of Underworld? I think I it was know. a UV
1: bomb. So he got bitten. It's kind of unclear how quickly they turn in this movie. But he got bitten, which is like, so he's is he a vampire now? I don't know. Well, if that was the thing, it's just like you presume maybe the UV bomb is going to kill him. And I think even himself, that character is probably in that moment thinking, well, this could be it. So let's just, we're doing this. And then we find out uh, sort of, not even post credits or mid credits. Like he emerges out of a sewer grate. He's like, I'm still alive, but presumably he's a full out vampire now, uh, as well, and might be a, uh, a va- he might be a uh, blade type character. Oh, maybe uh, down
0: the road. Yeah, but what's weird is like at the end too. Is it like it's a happy ending. It was like, but you ruined Seth's life now. Like he's it's irrevocably changed. He can't even tell his boss he's a vampire, <laughs> or else they're gonna kill him. And it's like happy ending. <laughs> I guess like everybody's kind of walks away. It's like they didn't. <laughs> they just kind of hand wave like not that they hand wave, they just like didn't care about wrapping up any of those stories which is listen which is, i don't need a whole 30 yeah. minute epilogue which is fine but it's like maybe address some of these questions or just maybe not even address them but just like give some in-universe clues that i can use to you know extrapolate from this because like it seems like jamie fox gets his whole family back and dave franco is his whole life is screwed and that's a happy ending for <laughs> both of them somehow. I don't know. Well, uh, Dave Franco seems somewhat happy that he was a vampire and, uh, he could
1: do some, some new things with his life. But <laughs> I, I think for Dave Franco is like, he turned into a vampire and it's like, he felt more comfortable with that than he did like what was expected with them before, if that makes any sense. Like they kind of wanted him to be out of the field and he was not comfortable. He was, he was happy writing the desk. I mean, and now he is
0: happy to be out of the field cause he has superpowers. <laughs> I guess. Oh, <laughs> I don't also, okay. Something I did like about the movie when they tried to expand on the vampire mythology. So one thing was like, Oh, it's different species of vampires. Like that's cool. But then there was the other thing yeah. where they I think when you killed them or when you were near a vampire, you got like their pheromones or something on you, or you got some kind of, there was oh, some other right, substance yeah. where you had to like go oh, home and clean yourself. Up. Like I think Jamie Foxx put together this mix with like garlic and something else. It's like, okay, that's an interesting idea where they're trying to like add to the vampire mythos and add their own kind of ideas in there. Like it was kind of, it was kind of, it was neat where there was like, okay, they they were actually putting some thought into, into some of this. It was like they put, it seemed like they put so much thought into very narrow focus of this movie and then the rest of it, they just kind of left the last minute. So it was like, it was such a mixed bag for me where, yeah, some of this was so good and some of it just felt like the filmmakers didn't care. So like, why should I care about this? Like, I don't know
1: this is one of the few vampire movies uh, i think I read this somewhere a uh, few vampire movies where the vampires don't show up in the mirror which is common but the clothing still shows up in the mirror right it's like oh, one of the few yeah. films that actually spends the time to like make that happen on screen for for a special effect it's just like oh I didn't even think about that in other vampire movies of course Dracula's cloak wouldn't would
0: show up in in a mirror yeah, it's even just like eh. uh, what we do in the shadows where they were like holding items that yeah. would float but their clothes yeah. were gone which was yeah <laughs> an interesting interesting it's always it's really interesting how each um you know storyteller takes that and like imagines how those rules would work in the in the real world yeah. um but yeah like you're saying like little touches like that actually yeah that that was that was pretty neat
1: the, like there was another one I, I it was a little review i saw and they were mentioning that especially with the contortionist actors you really got a sense that they were moving in such like normally abnormal ways that it's just like, yes, their bones are breaking. They are being wounded, but they're healing that quickly. And it really gave a sense of, oh, they are truly immortal. Like they have that, like a supercharged Wolverine healing factor to them, right? It's just like during a even during a fight, they're still going to heal. It's not like they're going to have to, I mean, some vampire movies show them retreating into a coffin and they have to like recharge and reheal themselves at that time. It's like the instantaneous, the instantaneous healing like that just kind of helps lend a little more serious seriousness to how powerful some of them
0: are. Cause a lot of them are very, very weak. Some of them right? seem to heal. And then some of them just seem to like, like you just tap them on the head with like, Gently yeah. and they fell over. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's just like, oh, they, like they didn't mention it, but you're like thinking, well, the old lady he kills, maybe she's hundreds of years old. And oh, she the she's newborn old, ones yeah. and the, yeah, in the bully dally are, are new. And it's like, that's the only hint that we got. But they go into a house where there's 30 vampires and they have really no problem taking care of them. And it's like they have perfect aim. Even earlier in the film, I think he, he like shivs a guy to stake him. And the vampire is like, you missed. And it's just like, uh, of course, it's You're just like, it's right not always going to be perfect to stick. Yeah. yeah, right in the heart. And he heals from that right away. And it's just like, these other ones, all of a sudden they have perfect aim later on. They're staking them, shooting them, whatever.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, yeah, that's the kind of thing too, is like, characters are exactly as strong as the plot needs them to be. Yeah. But again, like, I would have liked to see a bit more, like that whole house fight, would have been a bit more satisfying if they had- more trouble with the vampires just to just to build them up a little bit more it's like oh well it's like 30 vampires character yeah like all the characters like even those if those um you know the two badasses there that they encountered is like they were like oh yeah we're gonna go in here and take it's like oh and they're getting overwhelmed it's like oh maybe like it's like oh for a second it's like oh we we're in over our heads a little bit here it's like oh like build a little bit more kind of yeah yeah. kind of narrative tension there don't have to turn into like a full fledged horror, but. I think there was little touches that maybe a more experienced director might have put in there just to add a little bit more nuance and a little, a little bit more um, engagement for the audience.
1: Um, you have anything else to add before we head
0: into ratings our ratings of this film? Uh, I don't think so. Was there anything else I missed that uh, like anything else you would like about the movie that I had not talked about? I know, been, I think I, I feel like I've been talking a lot more than, than you have here. I don't want to, I don't want to drown out your voice here, Brian. Well, you're very passionate about the uh, the film, which is something. <laughs>
1: and, and that's the thing, at the end of the day, I'm not like, I mean, I feel like I'm on the defense for this movie and this conversation, but that could just
0: be. This better be, this better wind up in your top 10 of all time now, Brian, the way you've been defending <laughs> right? this. Right, we talk about this usually
1: after the, the podcast is recorded. It's like, oh man, I feel like such a contrarian. <laughs> and it's just like it, I mean, arguing is, is part of, I mean, it could be interesting. It's part of human nature, I think, just like, Exploring different viewpoints it's part of the fun, but I feel like I'm defending this movie more than I care to because, <laughs> like, this is not like a top 10 movie for me. I'm never gonna rewatch this movie ever again, <laughs> ever. Uh, but I did have a lot of fun while I was watching sure, it. it was it's like, a fun ride. do I laugh out loud a couple times? Like, yeah, did the contortionist vampires really stand out? Yeah, I really like that stuff. I like the union stuff. There were a couple elements, but yeah, I mean, it's not, this is not a five banger, that's for sure. So, <laughs> with all that being said, hit me with your rating on this film. I feel like there was a rating for this movie, and you mentioned you're, you're after talking about it, it's
0: like it might be declining now. So, what was your
1: original rating for this?
0: Um, Yeah, so I put it at uh, two and a half out of five stars. So, it's not terrible. Is that still
1: two and a half out of five after talking about it? Because, I mean, I do this all the time, usually the opposite direction, where we'll talk about it and be like, oh, it's four and a half. Nah no. Nah, let's just hit five, right? Let's just like let's just bump it up or bump it yeah, down.
0: No, I mean, I think it was like you were saying, like it's a fun ride, it's a nice little distraction. Um, so like two point five. Well, could it drop to two? Maybe, but like you said, like I'm, I have no interest in ever watching this again. It was, I hate to think of it like this, but like there's a whole, <laughs> a whole, almost genre of like disposable movies
1: Oh where yeah. it's just like, well, it's that immediate apprehension to be like, Oh, this is a Netflix movie. I'm immediately apprehensive that this is going to be kind of trash, right? It's just, it is, Yeah. it is the perfect example or perfect embodiment of like this modern consumerism that we're in. Netflix is only interested in having this movie out on your home screen for like a week or two. And then they're moving on to the next thing. It's just like, yeah.
0: they don't let movies breathe. It's exactly that. It's, it's a movie made for short attention spans um this is this is not made to have a lasting impact i think culturally that it's like let's put out a we're gonna put out a yeah. vampire movie jamie Foxx signed on start shooting this uh, the script's not done sir it's like i don't care jamie fox on board start shooting <laughs> what do you ask i gave the
1: movie i gave the movie three stars okay. it's not far off from two and a half like i was honestly kind of like i think i was a little more positive when i, I when i thought about it but When I look at other movies I gave three stars, it's like this is half the movie of other three-star films of like other genres and stuff. But I mean, I I enjoyed it for what it is. It's like that, as much as I want to bemoan it, like that Netflix formula works, like I I enjoy watching this stuff because sometimes you just throw on something uh, kind of light, something not serious, and I'm not looking for much more, and I get a couple of interesting elements out of it. That's basically,
0: that's where I'm at. Because I was thinking about like, I think the one Netflix movie that stood out as slightly better than the others was the Adam project. And that one, I think I only gave three stars to. So this, and this one was less than, <laughs> this one wasn't as good as yeah. the Adam project. So that's kind of my reasoning. It's always tough to compare and contrast. Oh, it like is, ratings, it's impossible. Especially on a five-star scale. I find myself like going over like the same, like I got, like I find myself giving a bunch of three ratings. It's yeah, like, yeah. I like this three more than that three, but not enough to give it a four. Right. So it's like, it's yeah. all, there's, There's some subjectivity in there for sure. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was against giving things ratings for a long time until I joined Letterboxd. It's just like, you know, I don't have time to write my thoughts on every single movie. So I'll just throw in the rating there as well. And people can interpret it how they want. I think it's pretty clear. If people are listening to this, you know, it's all about the discussion. I mean, there's a number at the end of it, but. You sort of get our impressions yeah. of it
0: through. But yeah, through, the, through the whole movie. As soon as he had, his, as soon as Jamie Foxx had his discussion there with uh, his ex-wife or strange wife, all I could think of uh, Lisa needs braces, dental plan. Yeah, yes, exactly. Braces, <laughs> Dental plan. <laughs> the rest of the movie, I had this in the back of my head. So maybe I wasn't paying attention. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, around the internet, I mean, we, we, we usually talk about the other ratings, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic rating, you have a guess on this? Critic rating? Um, I'm going to say like 65. 65. It was at 56.
0: Just swap those two numbers oh. around. 56% <laughs> critic. What do you think the audience
1: rating is on this on Ron Tomatoes? Audience
0: rating? I'm going to put that, I'm going to say like 70 on that one. I think audience 73%. Okay. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty accurate. Letterboxed. usually a little more discerning of an audience I think oh letterbox I don't know like around three I'm gonna say like you're I'm gonna say you have your finger on the pulse here on this one 2.8 2.8 yeah so you are yeah well it's in between our two ratings there it could
1: be 2.75 it could be 2.75 of the rounding up to 2.8 showing us so so we're
0: kind of on either side of what the average is so like we're I think think so yeah I think we're pretty much in consent we're in the consensus zone I think what do you think this movie costs to make (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 100 billion dollars um no i don't know let's say <laughs> 120 million 120 i mean you're you're pretty close it's a, re-
1: reported at 100 million dollars okay which i mean that's a lot of money on screen there again
0: but like i'm assuming that's what things these days I again guess. with the different financial model of paying the act because the residuals is so much different on streaming i'm assuming the budgets are higher for this kind of Movie because the main actors are getting paid more up front yeah. as opposed to the back end, which is why it's like yep. we would ex- normally oh, under the standard Hollywood model or standard movie making models, like for $120 million or $100 million, I'd expect to see a lot more on screen in terms of sets, in terms yeah, of special yeah. effects. But I think it's just a function of the industry where it's like, yeah, Jamie Foxx, this is probably not going to come to physical media, probably not going to, it's not going to be on any other. Streaming service or channels like he yeah, gets yeah. paid once for this movie as opposed to getting residuals throughout yeah. the lifespan. So it's like, yeah, he's gonna. Jimmy Fox is demanding the full Jimmy Fox fee up front, <laughs> and Dave Franco is getting paid the rate. Day rate. <laughs> no, day I, rate. I don't know. Dave <laughs> Franco's probably getting paid some money for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, he yeah, I can, can guarantee you he's getting some money for this. I mean, I just like but what that is. I don't, know, I don't know. Dave Franco is necessarily as big a household name. Oh, for sure. Fox is the big star here. Like I didn't recognize any of
1: the other actors really. No. I mean, Snoop Dogg is, is coming in here. Probably you, I don't know how he gets involved with some projects like, but he shows
0: up and he's, I mean, he's Snoop Dogg, right? Yeah which i don't mind at all i'm like if you just like randomly if snoop dogg just showed up in every movie i'd be perfectly fine with that (laughs) no problem with that what what we need to go back to is a little bit of the
1: old studio system from like the 20s and 30s it's like snoop dogg can become a netflix
0: employee and just show up (laughs) in all these different movies kind of randomly right (laughs) also i was like i'm really disappointed that like you have snoop dogg involved like you're not going to go the route. You're not going to get your own custom rap song for the credits. Come on guys. Like,
1: yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really good point. They should have, especially if they're trying to get, get with like a bit of eighties, nineties throwback, yeah. like let's get the custom rap song uh, at the end here. What a massive wasted opportunity. Two stars.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, summary. I would say uh, day shift. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> well said.